Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. I'm Mr. Warren Hayes, and what are you going to do? You're stuck with me for the next couple of hours or so. Thank you very much for joining me today, for letting me into your ears or your eyeballs, or both at once. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> Um, <clears throat> thank you, but uh, indeed very much. You know, I record the these intros uh, for the, for the 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 video on demands and the podcast after I I can I do the full show so that you know all of the you know the live stuff you know that happens on the live stream stays there because you know so on and so forth. And 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 my voice. I apologize if my voice straight off the bat is a little shot. I think I I, I completely wrecked my voice because well got a little excited at a couple of things no no surprise you know so it makes for a good podcast but then at the same time my voice is a little shot so i apologize in advance but it won't be like this throughout the show thank you by the way i've said it twice already but thank you very much for being here if you're listening to this on uh youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes, and you are uh, enjoying this video on demand straight off the bat, why don't you consider leaving a like and uh, subscribing to the Mr. Warren Hayes Show channel. Uh, that stuff helps out a great deal. It's crazy, but it's these little gestures that really do help a lot. The algorithm likes it. So if the algorithm likes it, I like it. Let's go right ahead and do it then. Uh, it'll help the it'll help the channel grow, absolutely. And why don't you leave a comment as well? Not only does it help the channel tremendously, but I want to talk with you guys about pro wrestling. I promise I will respond to your comments. And we've got a whole bunch of subjects that we can talk about. We can talk about, you know, WrestleMania backlash. It's coming up. What, what do, are you looking forward to it? Is there anything on it that you're enjoying or that you're looking forward to? Let me know. Uh, Best of Super Juniors 29. That's coming up. What, what about that? You got any thoughts on that? What about AEW? What about uh, uh, Tessa Blanchard, uh, uh, Stu Grayson, R Roderick Strong and their contract? All stuff that I talk about on the podcast, let's chat about it in the comments. I'm, I'm already looking forward to it. And if you want to show a little extra bit of support, there's two ways you can do it. You can uh, leave. Uh, you can uh, become a member of the channel, which also gives you access to the members-only streams that I do, which are always fantastic. And it's a just a little thing that you can show some support right there. Or you can also leave a super thanks uh, in the comments, and uh, and and I, I'll really I'm really appreciative of right in advance. I'll, hey, I'm appreciative of it. Um, <laughs> just know. You know, uh, I'll probably read, you know, uh, any super thanks that are left uh, on this uh, on this video. I'll probably read them off in, uh, in the next video. So I'm excited about I'm excited about a bunch of things. So and I'm excited about support. And thank you in advance for your support. And if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast application, look, thank you as well. Uh, you can uh, show some support by leaving a uh, a, a five star review and uh, on on Apple Podcasts or a five star rating on uh, Spotify or you know likes subscriptions uh, anything that you can do. All those little things come together, help the channel grow, help get the word out there, and that's fantastic. And if you're subscribed to all of my channels here, you also know that I have an indie wrestling podcast that I do every Tuesday. It's called Hot Shakes and Hand Dogs. It's co-hosted 
uh, with uh, Sean, by Sean Taggart, who joins me, and uh, we talk about the world of independent wrestling. We didn't do one last Tuesday. Uh, Sean had some personal business he had to attend to, which is fine. We'll be back on next Tuesday to get all that done, and you can listen to all of that as well on demand. And, of course, don't forget to follow Bell to Bell's Women's Wrestling Wire, B-E-L-L-T-O-B-E-L-L-E-S.com, or on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash bell to bells. And uh, by the way, uh, we have a, an interview with uh, Deanna Perazzo that will definitely interest you. So go check that out or follow us on Twitter at bell to bells. I think I've covered everything. Everything's out of the way. Then let's start talking about pro wrestling. See, I told you about the voice. <laughs> well, it's that time. Here we are. We got to start things off. I got to stay true to my guns here. I'm not giving up yet. I'm a guy. This New Year's resolution that I set for myself. Difficult, but I'm getting there. Here's another nice thing I have to say about Bill Goldberg. Robin Hayes has 52 nice things to say about Goldberg. Well, Goldberg, Goldberg sleeps very well at night knowing that he will not be uh, out of the 50 or so roster that will be cut from the AEW game. Robin Hayes has 52 nice things to say about Goldberg. Uh, that one could have been better. <laughs> I won't get, I'm gonna talk to the I'm gonna talk to the writing staff. <laughs> Make sure they're gonna get an earful. Uh let's well then let's do the weekly wrestling inspection. Let's get to it. Okay, let's get to it. As I said in the lead up to all of this, packed show, there's a lot of stuff to talk about and I'm going to start talking uh, about it. Today. Like We're going to go through a whole slew of topics, but here's the first one I want to talk about. Tessa Blanchard is apparently on the outs of women of wrestling. Remember... A few months ago, when they were announcing the relaunch of Women of Wrestling, they made a big deal out of getting Tessa Blanchard on board, along with uh, AJ Mendez and uh, you know a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of announcements, and that they were starting the they were starting shooting this spring, and that they were aiming you know to get this on TV for the fall, and so on and so forth. They put out casting calls. I sort of talked about the casting calls when I saw them. I was like, ah, oh, this is kind of, you know, this it's kind of lame. Um, but now, look, this is fight uh, over at Fightful. Fightful Select. This is what they pulled out. I'm reading the the uh, so, some notes here off of the, the uh, Bodyslam.net article. Are you ready for this? Because apparently things aren't going that great. Vi- quote here via sources that work for women of wrestling in a talent capacity. Fightful has been informed of allegations of issues surrounding Tessa Blanchard and women of wrestling. We do not know her status for this week's WOW tapings. The issue within verifying the information is that may- many people have signed non-disclosure agreements with the company. One source alleges that in a class in mid-April, Blanchard cut a promo on on wrestler Samantha Sage, known as Americans. 
We're told the promo saw Blanchard, quote, tear apart, unquote, Sage, leading to many trainees speaking up. Acting classes were canceled until further notice following the incident. We, as in Fightful, reached out to Sage but did not hear back. Another source indicated that Tessa Blanchard is no longer in charge of training talent. And Selena Majors, formerly known as Bambi within the WOW organization, has been brought back to handle that moving forward. One former WOW star speculated as far as saying that they believe Tessa is gone from the company, but we haven't confirmed as much. We've reached out to WOW in an official capacity weeks ago, but haven't heard back. Now, I am not surprised in the least in regards to this. Now, outside of, you know, the problematic issues that Tessa has, I have heard a few stories in regards to Tessa Blanchard being a legitimate locker room bully. Uh, being extremely uh, petty to women that she didn't like, having a little click of of of, friend, of friends that would you know in turn just you know come, uh, uh, bully uh, women in the locker room that uh, that she didn't like, very you know mean girls middle school type of bullshit. Um, so this is this is on top of everything that that occurred. You know the. The, the stories of her being outwardly racist and so on and so forth. Um, I'm going to tell you one thing. I'll, I'm going to tell you this straight off. There is... It, it's been a while since we have seen someone so talented getting in the way of themselves to true success. Because you can't take away... The fact that Tessa Blanchard is an extremely, extremely good pro wrestler. But all of the problems that are coming out, the, 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 the toxicity now that she produces, that she comes with, and that she continues to generate. You'd think at some point she'd learn her lesson, but apparently not. You'd think she'd have some moments of self-reflection and be like, well, I'm going to try and change change attitudes here but look i'm very interested to see how this continues to develop and i think honestly i think women of wrestling i think wow is better off without her because that is a specter that would hang over don't forget look and I, it's a specter I'm, I'm 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 going to, to 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 mitigate a little bit what i'm saying here i the shadow of of tessa blanchard hanging over wow was a problem because they would constantly be open to this type of criticism. And of course they're, they were going to push Tessa, Tessa, so on and so forth. So you're like, well, maybe at this point, you know, it's going to be okay. But if you do recall a few months ago, there were reports, you know, going around that wow had reached out to La Rosa Negra who had that particular one very stick, sticking confrontation with Tessa Blanchard, where Tessa Blanchard called her a racial slur, spit on her. They want they wanted to bring in La Rosa Negra to run an angle where Tessa would effectively, like, you know, 
apologize, a sort of a redemption run kind of thing. And everyone sort of lost their mind. Were you like, this isn't an angle. This is real life. Why are we doing this specifically? Right? Like this was all set up to be a redeeming, like this was all set up for a redemption run for Tessa to clean up her image, bring in the people that she's wrong and have them be cool with it. Well, that was a negative. I said, no, she can, she can apologize. And maybe like, I, you know, whatever La Rosa Negra said, she said no, that she wasn't going to do it. So I'm saying, WoW will be better off, but WoW still made this decision to run this asinine idea of an angle to try and clean up Tessa Blanchard's uh, public image. Um, I think there's other ways of doing it than through a wrestling angle with the person who was legitimately real life slighted. I think, you know, it's very tacky. Not good. Let's say it's 2021. And you're coming up with your wrestling news bingo card for 2022. Maybe on it you have, you know, you have some safe predictions. You know, you're sort of like, you know, uh, you know, Kazuchika Okada regains the uh, IWGP World Championship. You know, that kind of stuff. Maybe you have, you know, the, you know, the... Uh, the Young Bucks will win the AEW World Tag Titles. You know, that kind of stuff. Very safe predictions. Maybe you'll give yourselves a couple of bold ones, you know. Where like CM Punk will become world champion. You know, that kind of stuff. Where it's uh, There's a little more debate to it. It could be. But one thing that is not on your bingo card, for absolutely sure, that you could not have seen coming in any way, shape, or form, was Freddie Prince Jr. coming out saying that he is going to found a brand new wrestling promotion. And he's going to do it within the next 18 months or 18 months from now, I should say. No one saw this coming. Isn't this? I love this. Just completely out of nowhere. He announced this. He talked about this on his podcast called Wrestling with Freddy. And he basically outlined his plan uh, in regards to his future wrestling company. I'm going to read the, the article off of Bodyslam.net, the, 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 the quote transcription here. I plan, this is Freddy Brins Jr. here. Quote, I plan on having this thing up and running in 18 months. That's my plan. There's a way to get it done sooner, but it requires me going to Australia for three months and leaving my family. I'm not a big fan of doing that, regardless of how kind and respectful the studio is, unless I was in a position where I had to. I'm not sure what that means, but uh, he continues. I think I wanted to start as a two-hour show. I want my storylines based in reality. I want to give the women and the men equal time on the roster. And then... The goal is to bring the show to television, and I mentioned this on Ariel's podcast, but it's important to me, so I'm going to say it again. I want it to be a SAG show, S-A-G, Screen Actors Guild. And what that means is I want it to be a union show, which means each and every single one of my actors would be entitled to all the insurance and medical benefits and retirement plans that that entails. End quote. I mean, look, 
And then later on in the day, because then the news started picking up and people were like, you know, scoffing and poo, poo, poo. You know, it's like, hey, you know, you were in a Scooby-Doo movie or whatever. You know, it's like, you know how people are without necessarily realizing that the guy actually worked on creative for WWE for multiple years. He posted another update later in the day going more on detail about his plans for the wrestling promotion. He talks about venues. He's already looking at buildings. You know, so, I mean, this is, it's wild stuff. Things that you don't necessarily expect to come out of, to come out of the woodwork, right? But here we are. Here we are in the year 2021 and we've got Freddie Prince Jr. saying that he's going to start a promotion. And look, we've seen weirder. We've seen stranger. And it's not the, you know, this crossroads of Hollywood or at least, you know, musicians and, you know, Billy Corgan, right? He, NWA and all of that. And he was involved in TNA for a while. Like, this isn't new. Like, it's not necessarily shocking. And this is a guy who was legitimately a wrestling fan. He's worked in the business as well. He he has wrestlers call him up for advice, even to this day. I'm in, very, very interested to see how this is going to go. I'm, let's have this conversation in, you know, six months, eight months, 10 months, 18 months to see where we're at with this. Because obviously, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of, you know, effort and energy to be put into this. But I'm, I am fundamentally excited at the idea of another place where wrestlers can work and can get a paycheck, can get a steady job. But you know what? If he is able to make this a union show for the Screen Actors Guild of America, if he can do this, that is a big, big deal. And that gets my utmost respect. Because... Protections, health insurance and protections for the talent is something that is lacking in wrestling. We know this. We've had these discussions in the past. My mind hasn't changed. I'm still down the same path. I'm very pro-union and I'm, I think it would be crucial for wrestling, for wrestlers to be able to have access to that if they're performing on TV. I don't know how many, I don't know how many television shows are put on where the on-air talent is not treated, is not a member of the Screen Actors Guild. I really don't. You know, Vince convinced us, Vince McMahon convinced us at this point, or at least convinced a whole lot of people that uh, what he puts on is not wrestling, it's sports entertainment. They're not wrestlers, they're superstars. You know, they're athletes, but they can do so much more. They're entertainers. Well, entertainers should be members of the Screen Actors Guild. Now, th- does his plan have any legs? Is this is just is this just him dropping stuff to get people to come to his podcast? It could be. It could be. Maybe his project has no legs at all. There's so much that can happen within 18 months. There's no guarantee that this is going to work. Absolutely no guarantee. But as far as you know, upcoming projects. This is probably one of the more interesting ones that I've heard in a while. And I don't think I don't think we should poo-poo on any on any company, any promotion, any place where wrestlers can go work at. 
where, where they can get a, a steady paycheck that they don't have to do the indie grind and so on and so forth because it's it is very exhausting i think we we should as wrestling fans we should be thankful that there are more places for wrestlers to go get a paycheck that's crucial and even you know what even i haven't talked about them much on on the podcast here because i haven't watched i haven't been able to see any of their shows right now and until i see a show i'm really not gonna speak about them on the podcast but even control your narrative for all the for all the jokes that come to at their expense because they're extremely memeable and i think it's i think it's by design i think they do it on purpose for all the nonsense that comes out of uh, of that and the jokes and the, the it's still another place for wrestlers to go work you know now you can question the you know the the wrestlers that are hired and go that's that's a separate discussion. But as it stands, you know, creating opportunities for wrestlers to work, I'm not against that. Not against that at all. Not at all. There's another big, uh, well, not big, but news that certainly made the rounds about the AEW Fight Forever video game. Um, there was a stream this week that announced a lot of details in regards to the game. Uh, and, um, uh, it, the main news is that yes, it's going to be released on consoles, but there's also going to be a PC version as well. Uh, there was a Twitch stream earlier this week, uh, that revealed, uh, that revealed this information, uh, will be officially called AW fight forever. Uh, and, uh, there was in more in-game footage provided and this time they used, um, female talent. They had Chris Statlander and Nyla Rose models out there, which look fantastic, by the way. I thought that, you know, it's looking very good. Um, <clears throat> and uh, so that stuff was all put out there. Now, according to a report from Fightful, the video game is expected to be released this September. And the roster size is supposed to be around 50. And Fightful pointed out that there will be some unfortunate notable omissions from this um from this uh, uh um from this roster here out the gate anyway because they can you know they can always do what they want with dlc but at this point you know out the gate well there's going to be some people missing uh and while not officially confirmed owen hart is quite possibly going to be included in the game as you will recall in the press release that the Owen Hart Foundation and AEW put out conjointly, um, they revealed that uh, they, they said in the uh, in the uh, the press release that uh, um, that uh, that uh, they were going to produce unique Owen Hart merchandise uh, and uh, would include them in the upcoming AEW console video game. He hasn't been confirmed yet, but you know they're still they're still part of that happening. So that's all nice and that's all nice and good. Then in the meantime, a video game website dedicated to sports gaming called sports gaming sportsgamersonline.com reported that AEW and Nukes, the company of course that's producing the game are butting heads over the AEW video game. Now this is a report that came out. I I don't know how deeply true this is or not. 
but uh, apparently they got some information here. Uh, the uh, apparently sources within the with w- w- sources within the the production whatever uh that are they're disclosing that uh, the relationship with Uke Uke's and AEW specifically Kenny Omega isn't really great Kenny Omega is quote unquote is said to be to quote unquote hating working with Uke's uh from the website here one person even claimed that it has come across at times as like Uke's was trying to quote unquote take advantage of an inexperienced Omega in this position. The report also suggests that the video game is way over budget, that it even required extra investment, but the specific amount is not mentioned. Uh, these budget issues have led to a number of features of the game being either uh, being less than originally planned or cut altogether, which might imply the size of the 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 the, the rationale between the size regarding the size of the uh, of the roster. Um, so so yeah because apparently the the thing here is that Ukes is pushing for a long-term agreement with AEW and AEW is like nah son we're not get we're not signing like a multi-year deal thing we're just like we're pulling back we're, we're gonna do one thing at a time so this might be one of the sticking points it just might be like business 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 um so there's a lot of people that are thinking that this is a you know a one and done thing um one one source on the uh, on the inside said to the to the to uh, uh, uh sports gamers online quote it can be repaired the relationship it can be repaired but it comes down to desire if either side doesn't want to continue then aw will look for a new partner so and then on one side, you know, you have people saying, oh, the development's going great, we're excited, so on and so forth, and then you get this. And this news was leaked, or was published anyway, on the day of the live stream. So, as usual, guys, when I, you know, when these types of things start getting leaked, I want to, you know, I need you guys to, to think about it and just take a moment and, and reflect and be like, why is this news being leaked? Why are we talking about this? And especially on the day of the stream, which is really weird. I don't have an answer. Like I, I'm not. I'm not sitting here saying I know why. I, look, I, 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 I can speculate. I can definitely speculate that this is someone who's trying to, who's trying to sabotage the relationship, uh, who's uh, trying to detract attention away from the video game itself, and give it some bad press. I, I saw a couple of outlets retract their stories on the uh, Sports Gamer Online story. So I don't know. Like I. I don't know how true it is, but it's all interesting that all this stuff happened like on one day. But games going over budget, you know what? That's not unusual. In video games, that's that shit happens all the time. In big budget AAA games. Because I did see a lot of people going, ha ha ha, AEW's going to crash and burn because of the video game. You know, well, I don't know. I don't know what, what kind of extra investments are going into it. But going over, sure, I've seen this. It's happened. It's not unusual. Remember last week when I was telling you all that Dark Side of the Ring was being canceled? That it seemed that way? It was coming out of The Observer. Dave was saying, hey, you know what? 
you know what? It's done. You know, the, a lot of people are pissed off. And, you know, I, and I argued that it made sense. I was disappointed, but that it made sense. You know, that the, the plane ride from hell was just like the, 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 the tipping point and that people were really, really upset. Well, talk about a 180 because in response to the rumors that the show was being canceled, Vice TV tweeted out a, a, a statement earlier this week saying that they are committed to Dark Side of the Ring and the Dark Side franchise. I'll read the tweet to you guys. Quote, we've heard some rumors flying around about season four of Dark Side of the Ring. We are as committed as ever to both the series and the broader side and the broader Dark Side franchise. Evan Husney and Jason Eisner are hard at work making more content that we know our fans of the series will love. Stay tuned. And then early in the day, uh, maybe the next day, I don't quite remember the timeline. It's not really important. But later on, let's do that. Later on, the official Dark Side of the Ring Uh, 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 account tweeted out what stories would you guys like to see for season four? So listen, it's fantastic, and uh, I think this is good news because I mean this is this is in conjunction in conjunction conjunction excuse me with the uh, with the project that they want to run to create this uh, this series uh, focused on the territory days, which I'm super excited for. Then I am so stoked to watch and then be able to tell, you know, all these 16-year-olds who are telling me hey, wrestling has been, never been in a better place since WWF took over. And I'm like, brother, go back and watch this series and you'll see like how good it, how good it was when the when the NWA was in town before Vince McMahon started gobbling anything up. Um So that's really exciting. And I think it I think it's a it's good news. It's honestly good news for wrestling fans. Cause whether they, you know they, they do call it the dark side of the ring, of course, but I think it's it documentaries like this done outside of the WWF bubble, WWE bubble, here I am calling it WWF like it's like it's 1986 again. Doing documentaries outside of the WWE bubble are crucial. They're important. They're important because that's how you'll get like the the straight goods to a certain degree on the uh, on the uh, the world of wrestling, on the history of wrestling. I've said this multiple times on this show. You cannot let the history of wrestling be entirely left in the hands of World Wrestling Entertainment, which is a corporation who doesn't have whose mandate is not to preserve the history of wrestling. Its mandate is to make money for itself. And, as we've seen multiple times, WWE is ready to manipulate and retcon its own history and forget things, swoop things away, so that, uh, so that in whatever fashion, whatever way required, to uh, make sure that their narratives are stuck to. How long did it take... For WWE to acknowledge China in any shape or form in regards to uh, in regards to her um, uh, to her importance, her significance to 
to the development of women's wrestling in the Fed. You know, the Chris Benoit saga is tragic and sad to the utmost degree. It's not something that I want to necessarily hear about often. You know, it's not necessarily something you want to hear talk about every day. But it is a crucial, crucial moment in WWE, in wrestling history. And WWE, of course, doesn't want to touch. I don't blame them. They don't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole. But it is a crucial moment that also helped evolve uh, the uh, the understanding of, of CTE in wrestling as well with Chris Nowinski's organization. So there's so many things. Like These are just two examples off the top of my head, but there's multiple other things. The history of wrestling cannot be determined by, the, by, uh, by a corporation, by one person. That's why you have uh, books out there. That's why you have, you know, the back catalog of the Wrestling Observer, whatever you think about, whatever, however you feel about Dave Meltzer and his takes on modern wrestling and his star ratings and so on and so forth. Dave is still the most, it still has the most comprehensive history of pro wrestling through the Observer that he's been doing since, uh, since the 80s. So it, it's so incredibly important that we're able to revisit these things to understand where wrestling comes from, that it's it, it hasn't always been clean and fresh as it is today, despite the fact that it's even today there still it, there still has it still has its dark moments. When you think about uh, when you think about uh, where everything's come from, when you're able to put it in perspective, it helps you appreciate the future a lot more. That's what history is about. And also not repeating the same mistakes. That's what history is about. So I'm glad I'm I'm excited at this news. I'm glad that the reports were wrong. <laughs> I'm glad that I got egg on my face. <laughs> let's talk about some uh, let's talk about wrestler contracts. Um first and foremost, earlier this week we found out that uh well it was observed by some eagle eye uh, people that Stu Grayson's bio was removed from the AEW roster page. Uh, and it was later confirmed that indeed Stu Grayson has departed AEW after his uh, contract ex- expiration. Dave Meltzer provided a brief update saying, quote, regarding Stu Grayson in AEW, his contract has expired and both sides could not agree to a money figure on a new deal. Grayson wasn't being pushed, but inside the ring, he was one of those unheralded guys who was great at timing, technical work, and a highly underrated flyer. Um, I've spoken at many lengths, and not at many lengths, this is not true, but at multiple occasions, whenever I had the opportunity, talking about, I've spoken about Stu Grayson and his tag team with Evil Uno, Super Smash Bros, who were one of the premier tag teams out on the independent circuit, running extremely fun, compelling tag matches with, you know, SCU, the Young Bucks, the whole nine yards, right? When they were brought in, they were brought in because they were running with that crowd. And I was so happy for them. They're Canadian on top of that. So I was so I was really, really happy. I was like, these guys are great. And everyone is going to get the opportunity to see how great they was. And 
they were. And I was still at Fightful when AEW was was popping in, popping up. And and I remember we were talking about on, on post shows or whatever. Look, I can't remember exactly when, but I do remember talking about Stu Grayson and how, you know, if they if they decide to give this guy a push, they decide to put him in the middle of the ring and let him let him soar, like he is going to baffle and amaze people. They have a solid dude there that they could do whatever they want with. Top guy, maybe if they really wanted, you know, it's like, but the point is, is that they have a super talented guy that they could rely on, that they can fall back on, they can do singles, they can do tag teams. And I am so disappointed that, that not just Stu is gone, but I'm disappointed that Super Smash Bros or the Dark Order, Uno and Stu, were never really given that opportunity to shine on that AEW stage with the other tag teams of that division. Because everyone, look, it was the division, AEW, and it still is. It is the promotion for tag teams. And that's what everyone was freaking out of. The Young Bucks, FTR, uh, Best Friends, Santana and Ortiz, like... You know, the, the Jungle the Jungle Express, the, the Jurassic Express, excuse me. Jungle Boy is in Jurassic Express, though. SCU, like everyone's like, look at all these great tag teams, but what, what? They, that's the thing, is that now we look back and like, there was no great Dark Order team. There was no great SSB team. Uh, match, excuse me. There wasn't no, there was no great Super Smash Bros tag match in AEW and they were never given that opportunity to to fly look yes the angle was complicated from the get-go the original y'all remember the original incarnation of the dark order was like well this is fucking weird you know and i was like wait a second that's that's uno and dos because that's what Stu was that's uno and dos what are they doing and then they're like okay and then then they, they they transform the dark order gimmick into the you know, the, the sort of Scientology cult thing. And then they become a bit more of a comedy act. And then the tag team that sort of starts breaking apart, like it becomes a vehicle for Brody uh, for Brody Lee, and that's fine. But the tag team that sort of breaks apart from the pack there is 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 uh, 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 Silver and Reynolds. They sort of become the tag team. And I'm like, but what about the... What about Stu and, 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 and Uno? And to the very end, I'm going to, here's a hot take. Here is a hot take for you. Stu Grayson is officially the first truly wasted opportunity that AEW, uh, that, uh, that AEW has, uh, has produced by letting this guy go and not having used him to the heights of his ability. That's my take. And it's a shame. Doesn't mean he can't come back, of course. And you know what? The Indies are ready for him. They're waiting for him. Stu, Stu is fantastic. He's going to be fine. He can find work anywhere. Because he's a pro. In other contract news, we it was also reported that Roderick Strong was denied his release on multiple occasions. Again, this was reported originally by, by Fightful. I'm going to read the article off of 
the um, off of the uh, figure four online wrestling observer Delio. The last remaining member of the Undisputed Era and founding member of the Diamond Mine. Diamond Mine, not Mind. A Diamond Mind is something else. It's a whole other gimmick. Reportedly wants out of WWE. Fightful reported on Monday that former NXT North American Champion, Cruiserweight Champion, and Tag Team Champion Roderick Strong has asked for his release multiple times over the last several months, but those requests have been denied. In the report, they said, quote, We're told that Strong has grown frustrated with many things over the past year within the company and has requested his release, which has been denied by WWE. Um, Strong has been with WWE since uh, 2016 and has been one of the most solid workers in the company ever since. Let's not, uh, let's just flat out say it because that's the truth. Um... Like, I'm not, look, I'm not surprised. I don't think anyone should, I don't think anyone saw that news and, you know, went, I don't. Uh, Well, I mean, if you did, well, you know, you're a fairly recent fan and that's okay. But, you know, if you've been following how NXT uh, has, how NXT black and gold turned into, you know, a horny color run wrestling 2.0, there's no room for a guy like Roderick Strong on that roster. Yeah, I mean, where, where, and why does he? Where, where does this guy fit in in this type of environment? He doesn't. You know, especially when you consider like the you know the original concept of the Diamond Mine was supposed to be was himself, Tyler Rust, Arturo Ruas, uh, Hideki Suzuki, or Hachiman. Uh, Malcolm Bivens and uh, Marina Shafir. That was the original concept. We're we're a long ways gone from that. Uh, Str- all his friends are gone. They're all doing other stuff. A lot of them are in AEW. I mean, of course the guy wants out. The guy's a wrestler. He's a fighter. He doesn't want to do whatever the hell it is they're doing on NXT 2.0. I don't blame him. Now, the one thing... And here's the... Here's my caveat. Here's the thing. You know, I wish... All I want for Roderick Strong is success. I want him to be... I want him to be happy. I want him to... To, to find a spot where he's going to be... Where he's going to fit in. So that's fine. As a viewer. As a fan. Everyone... Everyone gets excited around these things. And they're like... Oh! Soon the Undisputed Era are going to be all back again. I, the one thing you don't want AEW to become is the dumping ground of NXT shit that they don't want anymore. And I'm saying shit not in the sense that the Undisputed Era was shit. It was not. It was compelling and it was good. But I mean, like, you don't have to reproduce what they were doing in NXT for this to, for me to be excited to see Roderick Strong. You really don't. And honestly, I'm, like, the undisputed elite stuff, I get it. It's cute, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yes, I was around. I get it, but it's, you know, I feel like we're, you know, we're 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 not uh, we're not uh, trying stuff out. You know, we're not uh, we're not reaching for that star. We're not trying to push back on uh, some great concepts here. This is uh, this is all uh, this is all pretty much it. You know, 
I don't know, man. It's not... Um, if, if he ends up in AEW, good for him. Because, you know, money, paycheck. He'll be with his friends. He'll be with his, his, his lovely wife. Like, it's all good, right? Ultimately, like I said, my desires and wishes versus... You know, some someone actually looking out for their, you know, their livelihood are two different things. So he can do whatever he wants. But holy shit. If they reform the actual Undisputed Era, I don't know. It's, I feel like he'd feel, he'd, look, I, I'd say, I'd, I feel like he'd fit right into Ring of Honor. But right now, I don't see the difference between Ring of Honor and AEW. I don't see the difference. It's everyone, you know, Samoa Joe, Yuta, the Gresham, they're they're, you know, they're all on the they're all on the main pro you know, the Samoa Joe is the TV champion and he's fighting in the Owen. I don't have a problem with that, per se. I'm just saying, what is it Ring of Honor in regards to AEW? I don't understand. I don't know. I don't know. So even if I go about and say, hey, you know what? Roderick Strong would be a great fit in Ring of Honor. Well, I might as well be saying he's going to yeah, send him to AEW. But I mean, like in a Ring of Honor where I, that becomes its own thing. Like it, it's still it's it's not clear to me what this Ring of Honor business is. If it's clear to anyone out there in the chat, wherever, but please feel Go right ahead and enlighten me. But I don't know what this is as in regards to the differentiation it is to in regards to to to, uh, to AEW. I mean, Strong is another guy who, you know, he could do the super indies without just by blinking an eye. People will be all over his booking email address. You know, all over it. But we'll see. We'll see how things go. But then, you know, you, you always have the question. Just to close this up. You always have the question of why, why won't they just let him go? Just let him go. What is the plan for Roderick Strong in... Color Run Horny Wrestling 2.0. What is the plan for this man? He doesn't fit in. What do they say? They don't want anyone under... Anyone over 30? In NXT anymore? Or something like that? Or they don't want to recruit anyone under... Uh, Strong is in his 30s. And he's not going to start being, you know, start doing some goofy ass gimmick, you know, where he's, I don't know, you know, he's a, he's, you know, he's a, he, he barbecues or whatever. And he comes to the ring with a, you know, a, a grill and utensils. And suddenly all of his moveset is named after, you know, cuts of steak. The ribeye. Roderick Strong locks in the, locks in the T-bone. No, that's actually a thing. T-bone suplex. But, uh, <laughs> you know. Roderick Strong calls this submission move the wrapped in bacon. I don't know. There's no... 
WWE is is so weird because they'll they'll really, you know people will be gone in the in the blink of an eye. But Roderick Strong wants to leave. It's like, you know, it's like hit the bricks. No, we want you to stay. Don't hit the bricks. Stay here. It's the only company I know. If I went to my boss and I said, boss, you know, I, I, I'm done. I think I'm going to quit. He's not going to say no. <laughs> You're, you have to stay. It is, I don't understand. And why would you want to keep an employee who's unsatisfied? Why would you want to keep someone around who's not happy? Get, get rid of those people. Keep your, your work environment positive, right? Have people who told the company line, right? It is now time for my deep, deep dive into the WWE WrestleMania Backlash 2022 premium live event coming to us this Sunday, May 8, 2022 from the Dunkin' Donuts Center in Providence, Rhode Island. Let me say that again. From the Dunkin' Donuts Center in Providence, Rhode Island. Let me say that one more time. Let that sink into your head. The Dunkin' Donuts Center in Providence, Rhode Island. There is a... Anyway, I shouldn't be surprised. But it's just, it's really weird. Not as weird as this card go, goes, which is essentially a, a, a copy-paste out, outside of two things of WrestleMania matches. And they're all rerunning, except for one, the terrible WrestleMania matches. I think this is what's poised to be the main event. WWE SmackDown women's title. Charlotte Flair, the champ against Ronda Rousey. For some godforsaken reason, they are running this again. This snoozer of a match that killed the crowd at WrestleMania. Night one. Took everyone completely out of it. The, 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 the pairing that before WrestleMania, everyone was wondering, why are we getting Ronda and, uh, and Charlotte? Why are, we getting, why are we getting this match in the first place? Nobody wants it. Everyone agrees. Ronda's run in WWE this time around stinks. I think this is a universal, this is a universal thing. I think everyone is in agreement. I haven't, outside, look, look I, maybe in certain circles of people that, you know, I don't necessarily follow, that I don't listen to, or whose wrestling opinion isn't, you know, one that I, that I seek or that I need to hear. I haven't heard anyone dump any praise on Ronda Rousey's work. In WWE this time around, I haven't. The match at WrestleMania stank, and they're like, "Hey, you know what? Let's run this again, and we'll even better yet, we'll make it an I Quit match, folks. This is going to suck." 
And and this match has to end with Ronda winning the title, right? It has to. Otherwise, what are we doing? Happy Corbin is taking on Madcap Moss. As I was saying earlier, um, well, on the warm-up show, when, when I'm starting up the stream, uh, I, I, I'm not following SmackDown or Raw, for that matter, uh, very, very intently, very closely, very much from afar. Happy Corbin and Madcap Moss are not friends anymore. Then what? what is the deal here? Who gives a shit? Has there been something? I'm legitimately asking. Has there been something that happened that that makes this like a, a pay-per-view quality match? All of a sudden? Happy Corbin, Mad Cat Moss? Come on now. Who cares? Who wins here? Who cares? Seth Rollins versus uh, Cody Rhodes in a rematch. This is the only tenable match on the card. This is the only one where you're like, oh, well, they had a really good match at WrestleMania. Hopefully, they, they'll do something good again. And I expect they will. But look at Cody already. He's already running the WWE tropes of the rematches. He's good. This this match is not going to settle any feud, any disagreements. We're, this is going to keep going, folks. You know how this goes. The, Hell in a Cell is the next... Is the next pay-per-view? I'm willing to put 10 Canadian rubber bucks right down. I'm ready to bet them. 10 of them. That uh, Seth Rollins, Cody Rhodes, Hell in a Cell. I'm convinced. Who wins here? Um, look, I'm going to give... WWE, a modicum of credit. Who wins here should be Seth Rollins. So that they're one apiece, which could justify a third match, get the rubber match, do it in Hell in a Cell. That I'd be okay with that. But if Cody wins this match again, and they continue the feud into Hell in a Cell, I'm like, this is, this is nonsense. Then, then it becomes nonsense. Bobby Lashley versus Omas. This, I, you can't draw blood from a stone. I don't know what they're expecting out of Omas. Yes, they paired him up with with MVP. There's the turn. Bobby Bobby Lashley's a, basically a babyface now. I guess. You look. This match was a turd at WrestleMania. It's going to be another turd. Omas is is not going to become suddenly a, a, a month removed. He's not suddenly going to become this incredible worker. AJ Styles versus Edge was exactly what I thought it was going to be at WrestleMania. Overwrought, overdramatic. Long. And ultimately a little dull. Edge's new thing is that he has the power of purple lights now. Is that's what I understand? It is. It is. Am I am am I getting that correct? I think Edge wins. Didn't Edge win at WrestleMania? I think he wins again because now he's getting his stable together. Right? He's got Damian Priest and well, look. Logic would say 
Edge has a stable now, so they have to look strong. So he's probably going to win at the the PLE, right? Look at look at me using look at me using the new vernacular like it's like it's nobody's business. Um, but I mean that's logic, right? And WWE might be like, no, we're gonna give the win to AJ Styles here, you know, because you don't want you don't want the new stuff to look too strong, right? And then you have Drew McIntyre and RK Bro versus the Bloodline and 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 versus the Bloodline, the Usos and 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 Roman. Weren't they setting up? I thought we were going to get a title unification match here for the tag titles. Why is this a triple threat? No, not a triple threat. It's a trios match. And it, and is Drew being positioned as the challenger? I thought it was Shinsuke Nakamura. In any in any regards, it's not interesting. And Drew is not beating is not beating Roman. If that's the plan for Hell in a Cell, for instance, Drew is not beating Roman. And this this trios match is a this is a SmackDown main event. This is something you this is something that they are going to run again on the following Friday. Why didn't they just pull the trigger on the on the title unification stuff? Isn't that the isn't that the juice that's that's being squeezed out of this fruit here? Isn't that what's gotten people talking? Title unifications? It's all bullshit is what it is. I don't know, man. This looks I I've seen I've seen this card. It was called WrestleMania 38. I've I've seen this card. And I've and two of these matches are the the Corbin Madcap Moss and the Trios match are Friday Night Smackdown matches. The minute WWE started getting guaranteed money, didn't need to to depend on people actually buying the pay-per-view, just waiting for subscription money to come in, or in this case now, just waiting for the license money to come in. They don't give a shit. They don't care. Because if they cared about their audience, they wouldn't be giving a repeat of WrestleMania. And not only a repeat of WrestleMania, but the worst matches of WrestleMania. Outside of one. All right. Thank you, everyone, for being here, by the way. Thank you so much. Appreciate it a great deal. Uh, leave a like. Leave a comment. Not a comment just yet. Well, yeah, you can leave a comment. Leave a comment if you want. Let's chat it up. Let's go. Because now... We're talking about New Japan Pro Wrestling. It's so good to be able to talk about New Japan again. It's so good to talk about New Japan again and be excited about it and talk, say some, some good stuff about it. This weekend, Wrestling Duntaku 2022, a good show. I saw a lot of people praising this show, giving it... Uh, giving it uh, huge reviews, and I was like, "Oh wow, okay, this this sounds great." Coming off of Hyper Battle, which was the last show a couple of weeks ago, which I really enjoyed. 
And this is a very good wrestling show, don't get me wrong, but I think I liked Hyper Battle a little more, and am I wrong for that? I don't think, well, look, how can I be wrong if it's my my feelings, my thoughts? But let's run down this card. Suzuki-gun, the Suzuki-gun trio of Taichi, Takamichinoku, and Zack Sabre Jr. defeated Bushi, Shingo, Takagi, and they were uh, they were joined by Shiro Koshinaka, one of the uh, the original, the very first uh, light heavyweight, junior heavyweight champion, excuse me, uh, in uh, New Japan's history. Uh, they were defeated. This was fine. Look, this was setting up the story here that Tai Chi got the pin on Shingo, whereas Shingo had defeated uh, uh, Tai Chi at uh, Hyper Battle to win the King of Pro Wrestling trophy. No, he not, not at Hyper Battle. Uh, just a few days ago, uh, last week, I talked about this the, this match uh, last week. You know the 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 thirty pinfall match. Um, so um, so yeah. So essentially, um, so essentially, that's what they're they're going to run this again. Now, if if Shingo and Taichi want to run another King of Pro Wrestling match that isn't a, you know, some weird Yano gimmick. I'm okay with this because the match that they had last week, the 30, the 30 pinfall, uh, 30 pinfall count, 30 count pinfall match. The first person to get the 30 cup. I don't even know how to talk about it anymore. Look, we might, we'll probably be getting another match, so I'm interested in this. That's the point that we want to remember here. Hiromu Takahashi defeated Yo. This was okay. This was fine, too. Warm-up match for the best Super Juniors. Yes, we're going to be talking about the best Super Juniors in a second. Um, you know, it's, this basically served to establish Hiromu as the tournament favorite, right? He's still the star. He's the ace of the division. Hits the time bomb and the time bomb, too. And, you know, this symbolism of him... Because leaving the Best of Super Juniors trophy in the ring as he left, officially his last time, the last time he could come out with it, before the 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 the, the trophy becomes up for grabs in the tournament. I'm excited. Ah, fine little match, like entertaining. Nothing wrong with it. Good effort. Nothing spectacular either. Just strong, fun pro wrestling. Tongaloa defeated Yujiro Takahashi. The Tokyo Pimp. This was okay too. I thought uh, Loa brought the goods. I thought uh, Yujiro was Yujiro. Uh, and, uh, you know, show his stablemate from the House of Torture interfered. Sort of weighed down the proceedings I found unnecessarily. Tongaloa kicks out of uh, Pimp Juice and hits Ape Shit for the win. And that's a weird sentence that you can only say in professional wrestling. Tongaloa also hit a jackhammer during the match. And I am very pro making the jackhammer a transitional move, just so you know. <laughs> IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Titles. We're on the line. Champions six or nine, Master Wato and, and uh, Taguchi successfully retained their titles against the Suzuki-gun duo of Duki and Yoshinobu Kanemaru. 
we get dives and high flying. Kanemaru, Kanemaru hits an excellent leg drop, guillotine leg drop over the guardrail on the floor. Just fantastic stuff. But there's a lot of butt stuff in this match. What, what, did, what did you say, Warren? I said there's a lot of butt stuff in this match. Taguchi comes out with his underwear on his head, and this has been a thing where, you know, Taguchi bears his ass for everyone. But he comes out with his his underwear on his head, implying that he's going commando. But we we learn that he's, you know, he's wearing a, th a thong later on, which ain't necessarily better. And he does a bunch of hip attacks at some point, and then he turns to the camera and he says, it's a butt party. I don't know who he's referencing there. But Taguchi, that's it. As I said, we find out that he has a thong because he's he's bare-ass. Kanemaru whiskey, whis, whis, whiskey mists Dookie accidentally, and Taguchi rolls up Kanemaru, sits on his face, gets the pin. Let me say that again. Taguchi rolls up Kanemaru, sits on his face to win. Yes, he is bare-assed. Look, I'm going to tell you one thing. A bunch of y'all weirdos freaking out and go, getting real, real, real horny when fucking Nikita Lyons is sitting, uh, dropping her ass on people's faces to pin them. So get your shit together. You, you, can't, you can't like one and not like the other. The consistency... Or die. <laughs> then we had a tag team. Uh, we had a, a tag team three-way match for the IWGP tag team titles. Um, yeah, that's what we had. To the and the Bullet Club tag team of Bad Luck, Bad Luck Folly and Chase Owens. Defeated champions, the United Empire and the Chaos Faction of uh, Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi <clears throat> in a 10-minute match-ish kind of thing. I mean, this was okay, but nothing more. But here, we were at the Fukuoka, Fukuoka Dome. Uh, they call it, what, the Pepe Dome now? Uh, this, was, this was the birthplace of Bullet Club. I, I forget. 13 years ago, 15 years ago, this was the anniversary day of the formation of Bullet Club. Way back when, and in that building as well. So Bullet Club here, uh, getting these title opportunities and making the most of them, started to turn this into a Bullet Club evening, and the first big Bullet Club win because Yujiro lost before, but Yujiro's Yujiro. Who gives a shit, you know? Uh, <laughs> but we have Bad Luck Fale, an OG, a Bullet Club OG, uh, with Chase Owens picking up the titles. And I mean, look, this match was okay, but you know what? New Japan, you don't see many three-way matches in New Japan. It's not really a thing. You don't see it often. <clears throat> and, they, and they did it in Tornado Tag Rules on top of that. 
So, and even with the tornado tag rules, the structure of this match was really strange. You know, it was always, and and I this is one of my pet peeves with three ways, with three way matches, triple threats, whatever you want to call them. You have one on one match. You know, you end up with one on one people, then everyone's outside of the ring, or then you'll have a double team. You never have really like chaos. You know, there's and especially in a ta in a tornado tag match, there's chaos. That's that's the part of it that's fun right but it lacked that chaos i mean it was fine don't get me wrong the work was fine and you know you have moments like jeff cobb measuring up to bad luck folly and jeff cobb is actually looking up you know to look at folly and you're like oh okay bad luck folly is a big dude you know goto lifts cobb into yushigoroshi which was pretty dope Cobb hits the short arm toward the islands, but the Bullet Club hit the grenade launcher for the win. But uh, it's kind of—I th I think it's kind of strange to have this duo hold on to the titles. And you know what? As excited as I was with Cobb and Great Ocon winning the titles, as much as it got me excited again for the New Japan. Tag team division. Now I'm like, uh... The never open weight title was also on the line. Champion Evil was defeated by challenger Tama Tonga. Picking up his... his uh, picking, picking up a, a title win here off of a member of the House of Torture, sub-faction of Bullet Club. I enjoyed this again. You know, I thought this was a, a fun, uh, a fun match that played to the strengths of both these guys. You know, uh, shenanigans were kept to a bare minimum, and served really to make Tomatonga look good, make him look like a smart babyface. On top of that, you know, because that's the thing they want to push him as a babyface. I think I think he has the natural charisma to do it, but this match really pushed that forward. Uh, Tonga, uh, Tamatanga hits a, st a stinger splash, the supreme flow, he kicks out of Darkness Falls. The biggest shenanigans to happen were when Dick Togo hits the ring, uh, hit, not, doesn't hit the ring, he, he, he rings the, 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 the bell while Tamatanga has, a sh has evil in a sharpshooter. So we're like, oh, there we go, the Montreal screw job now making its way into New Japan. The references will never end, I swear. That was the main shenanigan of the thing, but it didn't keep Tamatanga <clears throat> from winning. Uh, there's actually a great sequence of near finisher attempts. Tamatanga tries to stun gun evil. <clears throat> excuse me, gun stun evil. <clears throat> excuse me. He tries to gun stun evil who blocks it. Uh, uh, evil throws the ref at Tamatanga. Tamatanga leapfrogs the ref. Gun stuns evil, covers him, gets the pin. Good stuff. But after the match, he gets jumped by two dudes, Gallows and Anderson. That's right, the Good Brothers, back in New Japan with their Bullet Club uh, affiliations. Very, very clear. Tangaloa tries to get to to come to the rescue to help his brother, but he gets interrupted, and. Carl Anderson and they're calling him machine gun Carl Anderson like you know we're we're back in full force he raises the never title above his head oh so okay so he's lining himself up 
as a future challenger. It's an interesting story to tell moving forward. Because Gallus and Anderson were the original, like, were the original tag team. Big time tag team. And when they left, they, you know, they left the, 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 they, they, uh, they left the, uh, the tag team spot the of, of uh, uh, Bullet Club to the Gorillas of Destiny. Carl Anderson even gave uh, Tamatanga the, uh, the the gun stun as his finisher. So, you know, there's interesting history. Let's see how this goes. Let's see how this goes. <laughs> IWGP Junior Heavyweight title was also on the line. But Taiji Ishimori, the challenger, defeated champion El Desperado. Now, this result surprised me. But I'm okay with being surprised. And you know what? I, I really liked this match. And I feel like I liked it more than a lot of people did. <clears throat> I thought that these two guys together have such great chemistry. And this match was so solid. Just straight down the line so great Eldest Brado works Ishimori's leg with dragon screws and Indian death lock uh, Ishimori goes for La, La Bombastica and it's countered into a blue thunder bomb by El Desperado and he knocks out El Desperado has this right hook now it's just, boom or a straight right it's not a hook this is a hook and this is a straight a straight right and just right on the jaw lays the dude out and then there's this great sequence where Desperado tries for a pinche loco and it's reversed into a Rana by Ishimori. But Desperado rolls through it into a roll-up attempt. Ishimori kicks out, but Desperado transitions into the numero dos. I don't know. Like, great stuff. Just great stuff. A little later on, Ishimori deadlifts uh, uh, Despi into a Cobra Twist. El Desperado reverses it into an MK Ultra. And at the end of the match, he connects with Pinche Loco, goes for a second one, but Taiji Ishimori counters with a yes lock, cinches back, El Desperado taps. We're done. He's dead. New champion, Bullet Club member, Taiji Ishimori with the win. I was surprised. But here's a little spice. A little spice heading into our Best of Super Juniors uh, 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 tournament. I'm excited about it. I think it's good. IWGP United States Heavyweight title match. It was vacant. It was supposed to be Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Will Ospreay. But Will Ospreay got the big Rona and had to forfeit his, his, his spot. It was taken instead by Tomohiro Ishii. So, we were coming out of this match with a new U.S. champion. And a lot of people really, and I mean really, liked this match. And I thought it was great. I see a lot of people calling it a match of the year. I don't know, though. But this was a great match. It was great because Tanahashi had to wrestle another style of wrestling to keep up here. Something that he's not used to. And Ishii, same. He had to come out of his comfort zone. You know, as much as Ishii, like, he shines in matches like the one that he had in Chicago against uh, uh, Minoru Suzuki. He's right in his wheelhouse. Here, this match pushed him into different territories. Same thing with Tana. 
They're doing, they're pulling dragon screws on each other. They're doing sling blades on each other. They're chopping each other, uh, lariats, trying to echo each other's offense. Tana even goes strong style in this match, just to tell you how how diverse this got. There's, and then there's this really fun sequence, really exciting. Tanahashi hits a dragon suplex. Ishii pops right back up, goes, hits a dragon suplex on his own. Tanahashi gets right back up. Lariats. Ishii to the mat. Ishii right back up. Sling blades. Tanahashi. Tanahashi gets right back up. Like, I mean, this is crazy. They're going deep into the offense. Straight jacket German by Tanahashi. Huge superplex by Ishii. Ishii's even doing La Magistrale for fuck's sake to try and get a win here. Uh, brain buster. Tanahashi kicks out of it. They hit butt each other. They strike at each other. Tanahashi hits a brain buster, hits aces high, hits high fly flow, wins the match. He is the new US champion. But he gets attacked after the match by someone in bullet club gear with a mask. They're like, who is this son of a bitch? He unmasks to reveal that it is none other than Juice Robinson? And clearly the biggest surprise to that point. But I think overall, probably the biggest surprise of the evening. Would would you guys say so? I think so. Juice Robinson, member of the Bullet Club. A guy who... Not that long ago was telling us, <clears throat> I'm done with wrestling. He was on, what? He was on the Observer Radio, right? Was on Observer Radio, I think. Or was it Busted Open? I don't I don't remember. And he was saying, you know, no, I'm done with wrestling. I'm going to go home, spend some time with my wife. Going to relax. I There's no one else I, I want to wrestle. I'm done. I've done everything I wanted to do. I talked about it here. I'm like, yeah, bro, brother hit his ceiling, you know. But no, he's not done. We were worked all along. Good for juice. I like getting worked. I was worked. Fantastic stuff. He calls himself rock hard, Juice Robinson. And that's really fucking gross. <laughs> It's really gross. But I like it. <laughs> Juice is in Bullet Club now. So another Bullet Club statement. Just keeps going and going and going. IWGP, now we're at the main event. IWGP World Heavyweight Title Match. Champion Kazuchika Okada. Successfully defended his title against Tetsuya Naito. Look, we've seen this match a ton of times. We even saw it like, a, what, a month and a half ago? Something like that? Was it still good? Yes. I was talking about this. We we're spoiled. We're spoiled when it comes to wrestling. We're, we're at a position now where we have... We're, we're, we're in an environment now where we have legitimately two of the, be two of the best wrestlers... Uh, of the uh, the past decade. 15 years. Two of the top 
in Kazushko Kata, Tetsuya Naito, still, uh, uh, still able to go. Extremely competitive, still a- able to put on high class, high caliber, world class matches, like top notch, world class athletes. I can't even say that Kazuchi Okada is in his prime yet. I feel like every time we say Okada is in his prime, he starts surprising us, starts doing is suddenly better than he was when we were saying that he was in his prime. And we see these two guys together and we're like, ugh, not again. You know what I mean? And and the match is magical. The match is great. Is it a five-star classic? No. Is this what you expect out of it? Maybe, but you get a solid what? A solid four and a quarter, four and a half match here? This was great. What are you talking about? What are we bitching about? We're fucking spoiled is what we are. It's like prime Wagyu beef again, dad? For the third night in a row? Dad? We just had it two days ago. Serving it again? What, it's fresh again, dad? They have a long extended feeling out period, which they should. They're long, they, you know, they're long-time opponents who know each other so well. But Okada's drop kicks in this match, man, they're particularly spiffy. Particularly spiffy. Huge shot, shotgun drop kick that knocks Naito off the turnbuckle to the floor. Just great stuff. And a huge missile drop kick. Hesitation drop kick by Okada as well. Just great stuff. Naito works the neck. He hits Esperanza, running Destino. Then he goes for Destino proper. It's reversed into a spinning tombstone. Naito almost gets the win with the same pin attempt that he did during the cup. So I like that little callback. Naito runs into a Naito runs into a, an Okada dropkick, and I'm like, oh, here we go. Here's the thing. Here comes the landslide, which he hits, goes for the Rainmaker. Naito reverses the Rainmaker into Destino. Takes a little time to get the, the pin to cover. But Okada kicks out. He goes, uh, Naito goes for the Stardust press, and of course, Okada moves. Stop doing the Stardust press, Tetsuya. It doesn't work anymore. It's but you know what? There's they're building this. And eventually Naito is going to hit the Stardust Press and he's going to win the title with it. He's going to win a big match with it. It's coming. Because he's been missing it too often. He there's some strikes and an Inziguri by Okada, who goes into a Cobra twist slam that Chris Charlton called a, a Cobra Flosin. Like not quite a landslide, just something a little out of the ordinary. Then goes into the Rainmaker and gets the win. And I like the ending because it was a departure from the dropkick landslide Rainmaker thing. It was different. So I'm like, there we go. There we go. Kazuchika Okada, greatest in the world, pulling out something that, uh, okay, where I'm going to do it this way. Just surprises us all. Awesome stuff. So, match comes to an end. Okada does the the celebration, does the post-match promo in the ring. 
then then Jay White appears completely out of nowhere. Surprise. Weren't expecting him there. Hell, he's going to be wrestling in the, in the U.S. there in like uh, two weeks. But he's there. He's on location. He comes in with Gato, of course. Gato blindsides Okada as Jay White and Okada are having a stare down. And Okada just starts beating him up. And the rest of Bullet Club comes out to beat up on Okada. Okada's dead in the ring. Jay White cuts a promo. Reminding everyone that this is his era. And Carl Anderson cuts a promo on the Bullet Club. Reminding everyone. Fukuoka Dome. This is where it all started. This is our anniversary. And we're stronger than ever. Bullet Club strength. Unity. Bringing all of these people back on this night was no mistake. This was very well put together. And the Bullet Club stories right now are the most interesting they've been since ah, since Omega left. Really, because the Bullet Club has just been, you know, oh, the Bullet Club is here, but they haven't really, they hadn't really been doing really anything interesting. Now there's a lot of stuff going on. There's going to be some tie-ins with the Forbidden Door show that they're, but... One thing that I did notice when everyone was out there, when all of Bullet Club came out to pose at the end with Jay White, with Carl Anderson consecrating him as the leader, like if it was in anyone's, if there was any doubt, the House of Torture boys weren't there. Evil, Dick Togo, Sho, Yujiro, notably missing. Hell, New recruit, Rock Hard Juice uh, Robinson was there. He was there. Ishimori with his new belt was there. Fale and Chase Owens was there. Were there. Verb tense is worn. No house of torture. So I don't think it's all... Uh, I, I think we're not done with these little Bullet Club shenanigans. Out of these events here, out of uh, Dontaku, we have four matches set for the next big New Japan show, Dominion, on June 12th in Osaka, Joe Hall. A classic. Dominion, look, if you're new to New Japan, and you know what? Here's the thing that I want to tell you. Uh, if you're, you know, if you're new to Japanese wrestling, you know your American stuff and and you're new to Japanese wrestling and you, you have some questions, hit me up on Twitter. Come into the Discord. Send me some private messages. It will be my pleasure to talk you through it, to explain what's going on, you know, who these people are, you know, what these situations are. Like, there's never a bad time to get into to get into uh, 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 Japanese wrestling, New Japan. I'll help you out. It'll be my pleasure. Um, but, here we go. Um, we have four championship matches that are, uh, that are set for the Dominion card in June. Dominion is, you know, if, um, how, how could we put this? If Dominion, if, if SummerSlam is considered to be like WWE's second biggest card of the year, well, Dominion is that for New Japan. Um, 
so uh, so Dominion has four big mad has four matches set, including the big one, Kazuchika Okada, Jay White for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. That's a big deal. Uh, we also have Tama Tonga, who will be defending the Never Openweight Championship against Carl Anderson. Uh, Bad Luck Folly and Chase Owens will uh, defend their newly uh, acquired tag team championships against um, against uh, 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 um, Jeff Cobb and the Great Okan. And, um, well, it hasn't officially been announced yet, but uh, the King of Pro Wrestling Trophy is going to be... Um, oh, no, it has been announced. Excuse me. It has been announced. Rematch for the King of Pro Wrestling 2022 match... Uh, 2022 uh, trophy, Shingo Takagi, current champion, against Taichi. We don't know what the special rules are going to be yet, but that is what's established for now. So it's good stuff. So in the meantime, before we get to Dominion, before we get to the next big uh, New Japan event, we've got a tournament, tournament wrestling, folks. I love it. I love it so much. I love tournament wrestling, especially when it comes to round-robin tournaments. And we're going to start one off. Of course, the G1 is coming this summer. But now we're getting the best of Super Juniors beforehand. Round-robin tournament. Two blocks of, uh, what is it, 10 guys? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Exactly. Two blocks of 10 guys. Uh, who are going to be uh, participating in a round robin tournament uh, over the starting on on uh, June 15, and I am stoked. I am excited. I it is so much fun to be excited for the for the best of Super Juniors tournament this year because man, past few years some of this stuff has been really rough, but this has been exciting. This has been great. This has been so much fun. Uh, thinking about because we've got announcements now it feels like a best of super juniors as it properly should be bringing in talent international talent not just the not just the new japan guys people from all across the world a world and when they announced the bracket uh, the uh the uh not the brackets but the the blocks who was going to be participating i popped a few times now of course we're expecting we're expecting the you know the new Japan guys, of course. In Block A, you've got Taguchi, you've got Hiromu, you've got Yo, you've got uh, Yoshinobu Kaminomaru, got Taiji Shimori, the current IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion. You've got Sho, so Sho and Yo in the same block. Then <clears throat> start breaking out a little. You get Clark Connors, Clark Connors, uh, former new uh, former Young Lion member who came up through the dojo. Fantastic talent, so he's going to be participating. Alex Zane is going to be in this, in Block A. I am so happy for the guy. This Remember, Alex Zane is one of those who ended up being called up, being brought into WWE, and then WWE releasing him because well, we don't know what to do with you. Next thing you know, this guy's being booked on um, on the card for, for, the, uh, for the best of Super Juniors. He got glass in his eye. He got a shard of glass in his eye. Uh, he had to do an operation for that. What a fantastic, fantastic turn of events for him. 
I'm so glad he's going to be in this tournament. He's going to shine. He's going, everything, this is a great, great spot for him to be in because I'm pretty sure a lot of you aren't necessarily familiar with him. But he's a great talent. I'm really stoked to see how he's going to go. Ace Austin from Impact is going to be there too. And also super excited for him. This is a guy who is, I am convinced, is going to shine in this tournament. He is going to he is going to develop new fans. People who never really turned tuned into Impact were like, oh, Impact, whatever. Ace Austin is so criminally underrated. And this is a place where he is going to absolutely tear it up. I cannot wait to see him and Hiromu go at it because they have the same type of wild, insane energy to them. This is, this is a match I am super excited to see. And Francisco Akira, um, who was the first foreigner, the first guy, Gene, I guess, to be announced. He made an appearance uh, at, uh, at Hyper Battle, uh, announcing that he was going to be in here. Francesco Akira, Italian, uh, wrestler works the European circuit, also a member of the United Empire. That was the big reveal that happened. Uh, here's another guy that is that uh, uh, a lot of people aren't familiar with. Probably, probably the guy, uh, probably the guy here on the entire list that I'd even say the that even say hardcores aren't really familiar with. But he's a great talent. Excited for him as well. So, Block A. Stacked. Has a lot of great people in here. What's happening with Block B? Well, glad you asked. <clears throat> We've got Master Watto, Robbie Eagles, Bushi, Doki, El Desperado, El Fantasmo. All from the New Japan roster. Now this is where it starts getting exciting. Titan is making his way back from Mexico. To, uh, to participate in uh, the Best of Super Juniors. He's been in the Best of Super Juniors before. He's wrestled in New Japan as well. Uh, so a familiar face um, for New Japan fans like myself. TJP is going to be in the tournament. He's part of, you know, he's on the ro strong roster. I was expecting members of the strong roster to be on the, to be on the, uh, on the, on the show. We're getting TJP. I probably would have gone, like, I was kind of rooting for Fred Yehai. But we're getting TJP. L. Lindemann, a member of the Strong Hearts, and I don't know why I didn't mention this last week when I was saying, oh, you know, because it may, with the relationship that the Strong Hearts now have with New Japan, it made perfect sense. I think I had mentioned it like when we were talking in a spaces on the Discord. Join the Discord, by the way. Link is in the description. Um, he, we, I had mentioned, you know, I think, I, I think, you know, it'll either T Hawk or a Lindemann is, is going to be in the tournament. And there you go, a Lindemann. Maybe you know, you know, even North Americans, I think, are familiar with them. You know, when the uh, um, when there was that uh, partnership at the onset of AEW at the very, very beginning uh, with uh, Oriental Wrestling Entertainment (OWE). Um, you know, the Stronghearts came in, Shima, T-Hawk, and El Lindemann, and everyone sort of thought El Lindemann is fantastic. There you go. So he's going to get another position to sign here, but the pièce de résistance, you know, like the the main course, the main event, fucking Wheeler, Utah. 
Wheeler, Utah is going to be in the best of super juniors 2022. And look at this asshole here that you're listening to right now who was saying last week, I don't think uh, AEW is going to be sending another talent. Uh, it wouldn't make sense before the forbidden door. You know, uh, <laughs> this is what this is what this guy was saying. The guy who's who, who's sort of like you know says, "Hey, I know about wrestling." He was telling you guys, don't count on seeing AEW, guys, and look what happens. We get we get the AEW guy right now. The hot commodity, youths like Jason Major in the chat. Nice to see you. Welcome to the chat. Um, this is uh, 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 this is so cool. So cool. And can you imagine the year, the 2022, that Wheeler Yuta is having? Gets signed to AEW, right? He's doing the thing with the best friends. Like, he's already, like, in a hot group, a hot faction, a babyface-friendly, you know, everyone loves him kind of thing. But he's taking pins, losing right and left. Next thing he knows, he blinks. He's fighting John Moxley. He's bleeding his life out. He, he gets turned into a star. And they give him a push, a put like a real deal push. They give him, he is now in a trio with two legit legends of the business. One of the, John Moxley, who is one of the greatest fighters that we've had. Brian Danielson, probably the greatest North American wrestler we ever saw. Wheeler Yuta is in that group. And now, he, and he wins the Ring of Honor Pure title. And I was like, right, go, uh, go, go forge, go forge yourself in Japan for three weeks. Jesus Christ! I... I'm so stoked. And the matches, listen, the match that I am most looking forward to in Block B, even I, as much as I'm excited to see El Desperado and Yuta go at it, Robbie Eagles and Wheeler Yuta, I feel is going to be something special. I, 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 I really do. I feel it's going to be something Something that you can really sink your teeth into. If you've seen Robbie Eagles wrestle, you know what I'm talking about. Wheeler, out there, something to prove he, like he wants to be a consummate wrestler. You gotta love this shit. You gotta, how can you not get behind youths at this point? It's ridiculous. You know, this, guys, we're, this is history happening right before our eyes this is you know when we when the old guys talk about oh yeah i remember watching bret hart coming up and so on. this is it revel in it live it experience it in 10 15 20 years we're going to be talking about how wheeler yuda's career started yeah man i saw it i was there 
going to rule. Block B, look, both blocks are exciting. If I'm looking at the setup here, just names, I think block B edges out block A by a smidge, though. I think both have exciting possibilities. I think the, the Gaijin wrestlers are, are going to bring such fresh takes to some of our old standards of the New Japan uh, of, of the of the New Japan Junior Division, like I said, Ace Austin and Hiromu, right? Uh, 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 Alex Zane and uh, Alex Zane and Show is going to be great. Don't sleep on Kanemaru. Kanemaru is fantastic. I'm thinking of doing maybe a deeper show just for the best of Super Juniors. I think I'm going to do that. Because just writing off, the, writing off the names like this, it's, it, you know, it doesn't give it proper justice. But I'm, t I know, I'm, you know, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I'm really, really excited at the idea of being excited for New Japan again. And speaking of New Japan and AEW through Wheeler Yuta, I don't know if you heard. I don't know if you got the, if you got the memo, but the... AEW Forbidden Door, AEW New Japan Forbidden Door pre-sale sold out in less than 40 minutes earlier today. This is uh, like breaking news, guys. Thank goodness you're here on a Thursday listening to Mr. Warren Hayes. Um, 40 minutes. More than 11,000 tickets were sold. There's a limited amount of tickets being held over for the general admission tomorrow. 11,000 tickets. Dave Meltzer says there's going to be more than 2,000 new tickets put on sale for, for the show tomorrow and they're going to disappear. Gone. They are selling out the United Center on June 26. It's selling out. Not a single match was announced. Tell me again about the casual fan. Oh, come on. But I'm going to tell you this. It's not often... I like to think, and please, please correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong here. I don't, I, I, I don't usually go around tooting my own horn really hard on certain, you know. I don't. I, I, I feel like I don't. I was telling you over the past couple of weeks, after this match has been announced, I was telling you, don't believe anyone who tells you that this show is not going to sell out. Don't believe anyone who tells you that this is a bad move. Don't tell you, don't believe anyone that says, that, that is trying to discourage you and trying to make you, that, that is trying to, to, to paint a picture that this is bad for any type of, any business, for the wrestling business, for AEW, for New Japan. This is not bad on any level. And I, I told you, Told you all. And I said, and I'm sure you guys already know this because I like to think, I like to think that all of you who listen, I think I like to think of you as, as very smart people since you're joining me. I like to think that you're a cut above the rest. So I'm pretty sure you weren't suckered in. But this is a, this is a circumstance where you have to look at where you're collecting your, 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 your wrestling analysis, your wrestling 
knowledge, right? Who you're listening to. This is the moment where you're like, where, where you have to look at who's been telling you what and, and realize whether it's on the money or complete bullshit. Because I have seen complete bullshit from many people. And I also saw today people backtracking. Oh, well, I didn't quite do, say that. I said this. And I'm sure. I saw people double down. I saw people becoming mask off full on trolls. People that position themselves as knowledgeable in what they're talking about in the industry, in the business. I understand the wrestling business. But after today and their responses to the sellout, mask off, complete trolls. I, f I think I kind of feel I know what I'm talking about here. I didn't steer you wrong. Didn't tell you that this was going to be a mistake. Never told you that we had to make sure that the casuals or so on and so forth were, were involved in here. Just pro wrestling, man. This show here, big. People who didn't see this as a big show. People who didn't see the United Center filling up for this show are not worth your time. They are not worth your consideration. There are people who are completely wrong, bad faith wrong in this circumstance here. And you got to drop them. Don't give them any air. Let's talk about AEW Dynamite. First of all, let's just go right for it. Um, the uh, Owen Hart, uh, well, we're talking about Dynamite, right? Owen Hart uh, Foundation's Men Tournament qualifying match. Jeff Hardy defeated Bobby Fish. How you doing, Evan? Welcome to the chat. You're arriving just on time for some quality discussion on a quality wrestling program. Look, uh, uh, opening match, Jeff Hardy defeated Bobby Fish. Jeff Hardy is in the tournament. I think I'm going to be that guy. I'm I'm going to be that guy, and I, I don't want to see Jeff Hardy wrestle anymore. I'm so... And I, and I know it, I feel like it's sacrilegious because the Hardys, the Hardys are, are legendary. They're beloved. Don't get me wrong. I heard the reaction that Jeff Hardy got. I saw, I was live last year. I saw two AEW shows where Matt Hardy came out and he got a huge reaction from the crowd. The Hardys are beloved and over. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. They provided me with years of entertainment. They, they are a legendary tag team. At this stage of his career and with what I saw last night, I don't want to see Jeff Hardy wrestle anymore. I really don't. It's not even a question of pity or whatnot. I'm, I can only assume, you know, because maybe they're, because I know there's some people who are reacting like that. They're like, oh, he's so stiff. He looks so broken. I don't want to see him. It breaks my heart. It's not a question of that. It's really a question of he looks stiff. I don't think he can go. We're good. I think we're good, Jeff. Or... Uh, do the tag team thing. I think the tag team thing is fine. Have Jeff do the tag team thing with his brother. You know, Matt. Matt, you know, Matt does the, takes the bumps. Matt's Bobby, uh, uh, Ricky Morton. 
No, uh, 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 Jeff is Ricky Morton. No, Jeff. What am I talking? <laughs> My brain is fried. Have Jeff come in, get the hot tag, do the big spots, and that's it. Because this was not a great match. It was, it, it was uncomfortable. Because, and, and I think this this is this is a a a a, a, a legend signing that AEW has done, which I don't think is I don't think it's it has as good a payoff as Sting, for instance. I really don't. I think they're expecting too much out of Jeff in regards to what he's able to deliver. I know people want to see the Young Bucks versus the Hardys. I know. I do too. But maybe the Hardys from 10 years ago? Not these Hardys. I don't know. Then we had a six-man tag match. The Blackpool Combat Club defeated... Angelico, the Blade, and the Butcher. I want to ask you guys very seriously. Like, but not ask you guys. Let me start over. I love this. I love the idea of the Blackpool Combat Club coming in, destroying fools. I love the visual of all three of them in the ring just wrecking, uh, wrecking face. I love it. I from top to bottom. What was I telling you folks, you good, good viewers and listeners? What was I telling you three, four months ago? What was it like back in February when they were doing the Moxley and in January even when they were doing the Moxley Danielson stuff? What was I telling you amidst the, the, the CM Punk and MJF angle, which turned out to be fantastic. Don't get me wrong. I was telling you. And you can go back and listen. I am on the record. I was telling you that the John Moxley, Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson stuff was the best shit in AEW. It was the best stuff that they were putting on. And it continues. It's still the best thing in AEW right now. There's nothing that even comes close to how good the Blackpool Combat Club is in the matches, in its presentation. We all saw the little vignette that they did with uh, uh, William Regal training with Wheeler Yuta. <laughs> you know, doing old school, you know, I'm going to stretch the hell out of you uh, stuff. Just like he was brought, just like he was broken into the business. With Moxley, with Danielson. <clears throat> I'm looking at that and I'm like, this rules. This is pro wrestling. This is what I like. This is why I watch this shit. It's excellent. There's nothing that comes close to how good this is on the entire show. And this is a, a show that's filled with very good things. We're going to talk about one in a second or two. But there's nothing that comes close to how good the, the Blackpool Combat Club is. Nothing. We get a backstage segment where Dino 210 are confronting Team Taz and uh, <clears throat> Jungle Boy calls Ricky Stark spicy. And uh, he says, before we uh, we put up our titles, why don't you put up your FTW title against me? <laughs> 
cool. Then we also backstage, Swerve and Keith Lee are there. Swerve says that they have unfinished business, though, with Hobbs and Starks. And Keith Lee uses some vocabulary. <laughs> then we get Wardlow, the Wardlow match. Comes to the ring, gets uncuffed, so on and so forth. And the surprise opponent, which was a surprise, but not really a surprise, W. Morrissey. Looking like a like uh, better than he ever had in his WWE tenure, uh, and he's a, this is a guy who's had struggles, who's done his best, his absolute best to make it to the top, right? To to get to where he is, good on him. I it, it's it he he's really had a life of struggle. Good for him that he's getting back on it, uh, getting control of it. Getting back on top of things. He looked great. Now there's even reports today. Is WWE were very impressed with Big Cass. Of course they were. Everyone was. Like, that's not news. You know what I mean? The, the high five with MJF was really funny when he did come in. War, um, <clears throat> and more, like, this is a big brute test of strength thing. It's, again, at this stage... Of the Wardlow thing, it, it's never really about the matches. It's about the story, right? The overall angle. So Morrissey comes in. They, they, you know, they. It's strong guy versus strong guy. Boss man slammed by Morrissey. Wardlow hits the moonsault. Power bomb. We're good. Short, fine, but again, this is about the angle. So they come. They, the security. The dweebs, the security dweebs. You'll notice, this is what I was telling Kristen last night when we were watching it. You'll notice there's security dweebs, right? And then there's the real security dudes. The dweebs, Wardlow will toss them around. But when the real security guys get there, then Wardlow puts them over. Then he starts, ah, I can't do anything anymore. You know, you don't want to bury your legitimate security guys on TV. You don't. But that's it. Like the, the the security dweebs come after him, and there's like wave after wave after wave of dweebs. And Wardlow is just like he's tossing them, he's punching them, he's tossing them. Crowd is going fucking nuts. They are so into this. Red fucking hot angle. He even dumps a dweeb onto other dweebs. God, this this whole angle is so good. Perfect, perfect, perfect stuff. So well executed from top to bottom. A star this guy is being turned into. And in a different way that they did with Yuda. You know what I mean? Wardlow's on the mic and he says he'll give Wardlow his match. Because Wardlow's like, look, I'm done. Yeah, I want to fight you and get out of my contract. And... MJF's like, okay, cool. Well, I'll let, if you, if we get a match and you win, I'll let you out of your contract. But if I win, there'll be stipulations, but I'll let you know next week at the contract signing. 
but Warren. What? Warren, it will be entertaining, right? It's not uh, stupid. Contract signings. Let's sit down and 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 fill out. Uh, let's do paperwork. People love that. Come on, guys. It, it, it's the most tired trope in all of wrestling. Stop it. Stop. No one gets excited for that shit. Cut it out. No one. Adam Page then hits the ring, cuts an in-ring promo. He says uh, that uh, he wants a match. His match, excuse me, with CM Punk at Double or Nothing is not going to be, and I quote, a masturbatory Bret Hart tribute match. There's something I wasn't expecting to hear on a Wednesday night. He says he's going to destroy CM Punk and he tells this guy in the audience, you know, that I'm going to destroy him so bad you want to go back to the merch table and get a refund on the, the shit you just spent your money on. Now, here's the thing. Oh, well, Evan's, Evan's reading my mind. <clears throat> Does this mean Hangman Page is turning heel? This is, this is, the, this is the thing. And that... That's going around. Oh, is Hangman turning heel? This again is a symptom of 20 years of one company telling us how pro wrestling goes. Okay. Why wouldn't a champion, babyface or not, but particularly, let's stick with babyfaces. Why wouldn't a babyface champion get fired up about a match? Why wouldn't he get angry at his opponent, even if that opponent is a babyface? Why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he get aggressive? Why wouldn't he get mad? Doesn't that make more sense to get fired up and be like, look, this isn't about respect. This is about me holding on to my title, which by the way, is the world title it's the top belt in the business it's the top belt in this company at the very least and that means i'm making more money because i'm holding on to this so just because a guy is acting fierce suddenly we're like oh He's saying bad things. Maybe he's turning heel. And I swear, this is WWE rot brain. This is brain worms that has gotten into our heads because of years of, because of years of, of smiling baby faces. And oh, it's okay. I'll get to the title another time. You remember that one John Cena promo where he loses the title? He's like, oh, I'll get another opportunity. It's like, what's the point then? And I, not that long ago, last year, when we were talking, you remember, I remember distinctly Drew McIntyre, and I've talked about it on the podcast because it infuriates me. I, I, I keep telling you, WWE champions, they become a uh, smug. Everyone is so smug in the ring. You're like, oh, not a problem. <laughs> oh, it's looking for a quip. They never get angry. They are all smug. It's as if they're above everything. 
When Drew McIntyre got screwed out of the WWE title, he, I on the pay-per-view, I don't remember which one, it does, but it doesn't matter. The next night on Raw, I'm like, man, Drew has to come in and he has to start flipping tables and throwing shit around. He, he's got to, I, he's got to be angry as hell. Next night on Raw, he's not even on the card. He doesn't show up. He's nowhere. The week after, he shows up and he's like, well, Bobby Lashley, you sure got one over me. You know, it's like, we've become accustomed to this weird WWE idea that the baby faces, the baby face champs can't get angry because anger means you get, uh, means you, you start turning heel. And that's usually a sign in WWE booking that when the baby faces start tr throwing, t throwing tantrums or start getting mad at the fact that they're losing matches, that's a sign that they're going to turn heel. What I, and then here, Here's another thing. Then I hear people, their main criticism about uh, um, about uh, one of the main criticisms that they have about Adam Page as a champion is like, uh, he he doesn't get, you know, he's not fierce enough. He doesn't like get riled up. He gets riled up. And people are like, well, he's a, I guess he's turning heel. Why can't your babyface champions get angry? Your babyface champions should get angry. All of your champions should get angry when it's time to start challenging. If anything, it makes sense. Adam Page comes to the ring and what does he say? I'm stepping into the ring with the best of the best in the world, right? CM Punk, wrestling Jesus, resurrected, he's back. I've been working my ass off for the past years and over the past seven years while he's been sitting at home trying to play MMA fighter. I'm trying to build a career. Now he comes back and he wants to take everything from me. Fuck off. And that's not a heel thing. That's a champion thing. That's a wrestling thing. It's a wrestling storyline. It makes absolute sense. I'm so glad that we have this promotion on national television that is here and is going against the indoctrination that has occurred over the past 20 years of WWE running alone and giving us only one way to look at wrestling. What Adam Page did on, on Dynamite is what a champion should do and especially a babyface champion. Even if his opponent is a champion. The champ says, this isn't about respect. We're not going to have a fun little tribute match. I'm going to kick your ass. I'm going to make these people regret cheering for you. I like it. So, who the fuck cares if people start booing him on, because of that? It doesn't matter. And I swear this is going to be the discourse leading right into Double or Nothing. Well, what if people boo... Uh, Adam Page, what if they cheer for cheer more for CM Punk? Here's a spoiler for you. Regardless of whatever way they wanted to go about it, people were going to cheer harder for CM Punk because it's CM Punk. 
There was no two ways about it. Well, they could have turned CM Punk heel. <laughs> oh, cute. Turn CM Punk heel just for this one match. That's a very WWE thing to do, though. Come on, guys, get out of your brain rot. It's infuriating sometimes where I'm like, no. And a lot of the people, a lot of folks that I see doing that are the same. They're like, oh, the WWE has poisoned the minds of everyone. But when when we react like this, it's the same thing. It's literally that. It's literally us going, oh, he's angry. He's going to be a heel because of 20 years of WWE. I mean, it's... It's in like I called it indoctrination, but it's you know it's it's behavioral science. You know it's the you know the 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 dog and the bell. Can't beat human nature on that front, you know. All of this makes sense, Adam. Look, if anything, Adam Page is feeling more confident because. He went the distance with Brian Danielson. He beat Brian Danielson. He beat Lance Archer in a Texas death match. He beat Adam Cole not once, but twice. He's feeling good. He's like, I came too far to fall to you, CM Punk. What is heel about that? There's nothing heel about it. All makes sense. I am pro angry baby faces. What are you talking about? You get a backstage with Sanjay Dutt, Jay Lethal, and Satnam Singh. Who? Satnam? No. Uh, Lethal is going to be fighting uh, Takashita on Friday. That'll be interesting. And later, Joe cuts uh, Samoa Joe cuts a promo on uh, Jay Lethal. Chris Jericho defeated Santana. I enjoyed this match. I I I I had a I had a good time with this um i like the energy of this feud it feels personal for the baby faces and the heels are just dicks they're just dicks that are getting away with all this shit and you know why because there's too many of them santana in the match hits the three amigos and a splash she fights out of the walls of jericho hits a rolling stunner and his big lariat as well but a distraction allows jericho to hit a low blow and the judas effect for the wing with the win Ortiz is there. They, you know, they get beat down by the Jericho Appreciation Society. You know, it's five on two. Eddie Kingston isn't there. I really, really like how they're driving home the fact that the Jericho, so that it's a numbers game. No matter how much Santana, Ortiz, and, and Eddie want justice, want redemption, want just to... Kick, kick these despicable heels uh, right in the face. They're going to need numbers. They're going to need numbers. And it's coming. Former LAX member Homicide. Former LAX uh, member uh, Hernandez. Ah, bring him in for one shot. I'm not, I'm not saying add them to the roster. You know, per appearance. But it's not if it's not that they have to uh, dive into the roster, you know. It's like, look, I, I'm excited. I'm excited. 
Backstage, we get another backstage uh, segment where the two least interesting acts in AEW are combining forces with scissors. Then we get the Varsity Blondes in the ring. (laughs) Pillman has the microphone. Look, Brian Pillman Jr. is the very definition of mid in wrestling. He's he's a mid-wrestler who's got very mid-charisma, Cuts mid promos. Now look, I've said this before. I've said this a thousand times. I don't mind that he's using his his father's uh, name or legacy, whatever you want to call it, to get himself over. You use what you can to get yourself over in this business. It's hard. It's hard enough as it is on your own. If you can have a leg up, go ahead and use it. That's fine. And they did it again last night using, using you know, uh, apparently John Harbaugh was a roommate of uh, Brian Pillman Sr. So they were friends. So, you know, they, they dove into that. That's fine. But Brian Pillman Jr. is the very definition of mid. Pillman says that the House of Black is destroying everything he's worked for. It's got torn apart. He says John Harbaugh is in the crowd and he has, he told me this quote and he says, attack each day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. That's a bad quote. And he says he feels enthusiastic about keeping his group together. And he calls out the House of Black who come out. And they, you know, the numbers game. And they're huge and they're spooky. So they take out Pillman. They take out Garrison. And Julia Hart is there with the eye patch and the, you know, the the mushrooms. You know, the, the infection. I don't know what you're going to call it. And they give a... Ch- Griff is on. It's flat on his back. And they give... The House of Black, they give Julia a chair and it's like, chair of the bastard, do it, kill him kind of thing, you know. And she lifts, but she she can't bring her, she can't bring herself to do it. Not on Griff. Maybe it would have been easier if they didn't on Pillman. She, so she backs away. The House of Black Intimidator, the big triangle, the, the death triangle come out to sort of shush them away. I'm like... Now, like this was the moment to pull the trigger on the Julia Hart thing. This, 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 this was the moment. This, this was it. Now it's now it's overwrought. And 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 if if it means that we're coming back to Julia Hart being, you know, a full-on varsity blonde again, okay, this was a complete, complete waste. But this situation leads us into the Owen Hart Foundation's tournament qualifying match. Ray Phoenix defeating Dante Martin. A really great, exciting spot fest of a match. Phoenix does the rope walk dive to the floor. A great destroyer by Dante Martin. And a greater suicide dive on top of that. Springboard Spanish fly. Pop-up cutter by Phoenix, which ruled. They do something where they flip off the top rope. Kind of like a Spanish fly, but they both land on their feet. In a great moment that's going to be used in highlight reels. Fantastic stuff. 
Dante Martin abo avoids a black fire driver with a super kick, but Ray Phoenix ends the match with a Phoenix driver. Ray Phoenix is in the tournament. This was this was a lot of fun. Match of the night. We have Thunder Rosa who cuts a promo. Um, she calls the AEW women's division the best in the world, even though it's often criticized, which was clearly a shot at Becky Lynch, who had done an interview saying that the WWE women's division was far superior to AEW's, you know, you know, all, all that good stuff. And then she recounts, you know, driving eight hours to see Serena Deeb wrestle because she, she, she was an inspiration. Then Serena Deeb comes out. And she says, yes, you know, I've seen you come up. I've been watching you. And she truly deep believes that this, that they can make this the best women's division in the world. If only the best woman is champion, meaning herself. So we're setting that up for double or nothing. And that leads us into the main event, Ring of Honor Women's World Title Match, the unification match. Interim champion Mercedes Martinez defeated Diana Perazzo. And is now the undisputed women's world champion of the Ring of Honor. I thought the match was solid. But I feel, but here's the thing, and uh, it's going to sound like excuses. <clears throat> but I think these are very valid criticisms. Because I saw, I, I think people are unusually harsh with the match. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Evan. This is, for Mercedes Martinez, I couldn't be happier. I love Mercedes Martinez. One of my all-time favorites. This is amazing. I love it. I think this match was in, an, uh, was in an unfair position. First and foremost, following Martin and and Phoenix, who follow, you can't follow that with your main event. That was a mistake. That was a big, big mistake. Crowd, crowd was super hot. For the Phoenix uh, Martin match, that was uh, ill-advised. Uh, so already straight off the bat, coming off of a hot, hot match, that that wasn't fair. The second part that doesn't make it fair is that these women have not been on TV wrestling for weeks on end. I'm not talking about dark. I'm not you know. I'm talking about television, and they're. The build for this just sort of came out of nowhere for wrestlers that men or women, like you, you do the same thing with two wrestlers, two dudes. It's the exact same thing, right? I'm not saying this is worse because it's women. I'm just saying you do the same thing with dudes and it's the same circumstances. Two guys, look, Mercedes Martinez, her last appearance on Dynamite was, on, was in March. Uh, 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 and, uh, and on Rampage as well. Then she shows up on Supercard of Honor, which is no guarantee that everyone saw. And now this. So no matches in the meantime. Nothing, nothing happening on camera. Just pre-tapes of Mercedes selling the match for like 30 seconds every week or so. Never see Dion on TV. Never. I know there's a lot of overlap. <clears throat> I know there's a lot of overlap, but you're putting in a complete unknown quantity, someone that has no connection to the AEW audience. 
I know Mar I know Diana Parrazzo. I love Diana. I follow her work. She's fantastic. Great person on top of that. So I'm excited to see her. But I realize I'm also in a minority and I don't blame anyone in that audience to be like, all right, let's see this match happen. Because there was no tangible hype to it. There was no build. And again, whether they had done this with women or two similar guys or two guys in built in the similar way. And, you know, let's say they had done this with, you know, fucking, I don't know. Uh, uh, they suddenly, uh, suddenly like Nick Camarado out of nowhere, right? Wins a couple of matches. We don't see him for months. Then he comes in, he's challenging. And he, and he has this main event match against Eddie Edwards from Impact. And everyone sort of goes, what? What am I watching? There's, There was that feeling here. So this is not a question. It's not something I put on the women. This is booking. This is booking related. This is how this match was built. It wasn't well built. There was no, there was no proper build for this. It was thrown away. It was secondary thoughts. It was 30 second pre-tapes with, with Mercedes only. I keep telling you guys, I wrestling stories should happen in the ring. Have Mercedes come out. Give her a squash match. Look, they were doing it with Deeb a few weeks ago. You know, with the rookie th stuff. Have Mercedes come out and 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 squash a dark talent. And then after she's done, uh, Deanna pops up. Hey, Mercedes, you're a big stupid head. And Mercedes says, you're a big stupid head back. Why don't you come fight me? You know, have a pull apart brawl. So many things. You know, it's just like... Because the match was solid. The match was solid, but it lacked hype. It lacked energy. It, it was positioned to fail. When I saw it was the main event, I was like... Uh. I know a lot of people... I know a lot of people get really, really unnerved when the women aren't main eventing, especially when there's titles, right? But there was a solid case... To be made here. A solid case to be made. That the women should not main event. Second to last. Of course. Would have finished with Dante and Phoenix. That was the match. That was the match you close your show on. And I know it would have pissed off people. But it was not built like a main event. But it was slotted like a main event. With wrestlers. Who were barely or who are barely on AEW programming or not at all. Willow Nightingale has been on TV on a on Rampage and Dynamite more than Mars than Mercedes Martinez. It's not a knock. Just saying. This was a transitional edition of AEW Dynamite storyline progressions events I don't think the match like it I, it wasn't that exciting of a show as it usually is transitional and that's fine and that is how we are going to rack up, wrap up the weekly wrestling inspection <laughs>
crack crap crack crap I can't talk anymore <clears throat> I think I lost my voice like one hour 45 minutes in I was doomed <laughs> but I want to thank everyone for joining me tonight look if you haven't already leave a like on the video if you haven't already leave a, 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 a review or a rating on your favorite podcast application I appreciate that if you're listening to this on demand later on leave a comment let me know what you think about what are you excited about uh, in regards to Best of Super Juniors, right? That's coming up. That's exciting. What did you like about Dynamite? Did you like some stuff? Nonetheless, uh, drop me your WrestleMania backlash predictions. Let's do that. Let's get all of that all together. In the comments below, if you're listening to the video on demand, I appreciate it. But you know what? I want to thank everyone for joining me live. Thank you for joining me live tonight. I really appreciate it. You guys are awesome. Everyone is awesome comes in and joins me and i want to thank you all for joining me as well i hope you have a great rest of your evening i hope you have a fantastic weekend enjoy everything and we'll see you next